And uh, there's a lot more that needs to be done. And so I feel at 62, um, you know, some people may be contemplating retirement and so on. I feel like, like um, I'm just scratching the surface of what can be done still uh, in this area. I think you'll get that out of this message somewhat because it is time to move forward with some things here. And uh, it is time, I, I think it's interesting as we look at Isaiah 54 and try to make some, some sense of this to help you understand is why do we have expand the blessing and um, why would we have something like that? Um, expanding the blessing is basically spreading the gospel uh, and, and be a different type term, a different term. Uh, expanding the blessing is something that I put together because we're actually putting an addition on. So, you know, I thought adding to the gospel, no, you don't want to do that. Adding to the church, yeah, kind of, ex- but expanding the blessing was developed a few years back for us to be able to know that we need to, we need to ex- extend what we're doing here and keep it going, but also be a blessing to those that are uh, abroad. And I've always said to myself, how can we strengthen the brethren? Because remember, that's what Peter was supposed to do, strengthen the brethren. How do we do that? I really believe that we can strengthen the brethren by staying faithful to what God's called us to do. How can I encourage you uh, and strengthen you? By staying strong in the Lord and staying at it and showing you that you know, in season, out of season, you can do this and God will give you the power to do it. And uh, the journey is long, uh, but yet God's power and God's strength is there for you to be able to continue on. And, uh, and I've always thought about how much money we have given through the years to missions. When we started our program here called Grace Giving, uh, it wasn't accepted by everybody, but we knew that faith promise is kind of uh, what people do in churches. We have Grace Giving because it actually shows it's more biblical. Uh, the, the, in Corinthians, it gives us an understanding of, of the word grace, means to, to give, basically, uh, and, and, you know, and, and really to be able to... To, uh, to tithe uh, and be able to give that to the Lord. Um, and again, it's not part of the law. It's part of, it was pre-law where the, the tithe was mentioned. And uh, it actually shows the condition of your heart, that you, you realize you're breathing his air, um, you're eating his food. Um, he's been taking good care of you. You want to give back to him. So it's not something that's hard to do. It's not like a, like a dirge it's, it's a joy to be able to give, and he loves a cheerful giver and, and give back to God because the way it works then is that we are, we are taken care of when we continue to give uh, to the Lord and, and give to others. And so I started to add up in my brain, and I haven't really done it completely. Um, we've been able to move into 44 ministries. We start our ministries out at $240 uh, a quarter per each person, so we're up to almost 50000 $50, uh, a year goes to missions, and, and how much would $50,000 for 20 years be? How much would that be? Anybody come up with that idea, that amount? Any brain people here, any mathematicians? And 20,000, uh, I mean, I mean 50,000 for 20 years. Uh, a million dollars we've gave to missions! And some people are kind of complaining about us building a little bit. Listen, we have strengthened and helped out so many ministries, it's time to strengthen the base. Amen? Amen. And so we've got to get this parking lot looking nice. We've got to get the roof done better. The nursery's wet at times because of the roof. That shouldn't be. And so all of this needs to be done. 
And it's not something that we're going to do because we want to exalt ourselves. We want to further and expand the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you are brand new in all of this and you're gaining an understanding of relationship with God. You understand that it's not a religion that you're attached to. You're attached to the God of heaven through a relationship with Jesus Christ. And now you've entered into that. It makes you know that you are owned by him and you are loved by him. And you have a purpose in your life and he's given you a gift to use for his kingdom. And it's all about his kingdom. It's not about our desire and our wills, and, and it's all about uh, you know, what's going on in Israel and so on. It's, it's not about America. It's about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this all is a, a, um, a prophecy about that happening in Isaiah 54. He, he gives us this foresight, if you would, and it kind of just kind of, you know, opens it up so we say, wow, I never saw that before, as he kind of speaks in the first verse, helping us understand that there was going to be an opening to the Gentiles, that there was going to be this this place where Jesus Christ would come, in this period where he would come to earth, God incarnate would send, God would send his only begotten son to die on the cross for us, and we call that the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, and that is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we see that in verse Number one, showing that verse number two then says, enlarge the place of thy tent and let them stretch forth the curtains of thine inhabitation. So you're, you're going to have to make the curtains bigger and, and, and then don't, don't withhold in this idea. Uh, spare not. This is the God of heaven saying to us, lengthen thy strings or thy cords and strengthen thy stakes. And so every year we get to put a tent up out back. And so I always enjoy getting as many men here as I can to help us put that together because it's good to see that many men working together to be able to do something for vacation Bible school, for maybe a tent meeting we have out there or whatever. Uh, and we know that we've been able to have a pretty nice canopy out there. But if we were to extend it even further, we'd have to get more stakes. We'd have to get longer ropes. You know what I'm saying? We'd have to, to be able to put more people under that tent. We have to enlarge it. And that's what it's talking about. Make room for this because it's going to happen. Look at verse 3. For thou shalt break forth on the right hand and on the left hand, and thy seed shall inherit the Gentiles and make uh, the desolate cities to be inhabited. And so I really believe what we're talking about here is the, what, what uh, God has been preparing all along. Remember, he promised to Abraham that he was going to have a seed, and out of that seed would, be, would come a number uh, that no, really, no person can really number it. It'll be like the sands of the sea. It'll be like the stars of the sky. And who can number all those things? And that would be the Jewish people, that they would expand and that they would actually go further until they came to the place of understanding that then there was Isaac, you know, and then there was Moses and the law was given and the children of Israel came out of bondage and then they were structured themselves over on the other side of Jordan. And then we have all of the, the judges and then we have the, the prophets and all of this coming to the place. Uh, of, of uh, Malachi, and then there's some silent years for a period of time. And then John the Baptist comes out, dressed like a wild man, and he starts baptizing people. John the Baptist, John the Immerser, you know, and then he sees Jesus on the other side of the bank, and he says, Behold, the Lamb that takes away the sin of the world! 
He's identifying that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is here. That God and people were rejoicing. This is Jesus. He has come. And man, those that were of poor mindset, perhaps, and of, of a humble uh, uh, personality, began to draw close to Jesus Christ. And we know what happened, that Jesus Christ then was rejected by those that should have loved him. And, and maybe you feel that way. Well, guess what? You have something common with Jesus then. Because he was rejected by people that should have loved him. And we should love him. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And I think if we, if we grasp the understanding of the prerequisite to widen the opportunity uh, for us to be able to be a blessing to more, then God is going to provide by faith. He will take care of us. And sometimes I think that we are a little bit afraid of moving forward because of the faith issue. I like reading commentaries once in a while. And if you've been in my office, you see that I have a set from 1826. It was started in 1765. And Joseph Townsend was one of the writers in there. Uh, John Newton was one of the writers in there that was commenting that this is good material. It was written by a Puritan, and the Puritans were good at unveiling the Lord Jesus Christ and preaching the word of God. And one of the commentaries said this concerning, concerning the passage um, of, of this being expanded. He said this, further reference may be found to this passage to the enlargement of the Christian church after Pentecost. And especially after the martyrdom of Stephen and scattered the disciples which followed up that sad event. The general topic suggested for consideration is the duty of cheerfully following on when God opens before us a wider and a larger sphere of influence and usefulness. And the following comments are to be taken and considered. So what are those comments? He said it is wrong to force ourselves into an enlargement before God calls us to do so. And I think every single person in this room would say, if God's not in it, I don't want to be in it. I think every person in this room would say that. But he goes on to say it is wrong also to hold back when God calls us to move forward. It is just as wrong for us to say no when God says yes. I think larger opportunities or platforms or spheres of wider influence are, are God's sign of acceptance and approval that we're going in the right direction and he is going to bless us as we continue on. And I'm not just talking about the church, I'm talking about you, sir, and you, ma'am. Is that God has been working on you for a long, long time. And he's not done with you yet. He's continuing to guide you and to teach you and to mold you and to make you into the image of his dear son. Because certainly you have been received by him and you've been accepted into the beloved. But there is still some work that needs to be done in you. You're not there yet. God is still working on you. He's still working on us. But when you find yourself furthering your spiritual walk with God and you begin to see things in the scriptures in a new light and you sense his presence, it's because he delights to have fellowship with you. And so he desires for us then to 
have fellowship with him. And can I tell you that the light is there, but maybe the bulb is dirty. And maybe it needs to be cleaned. The window has been somewhat splattered by the things of this world, and it needs to be wiped away. And again, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And those who enter into a task to enlarge must be willing to be enlarged themselves. And sometimes God takes us through difficulties before the enlargement comes. Sometimes God tries the heart, tries the individual to see whether that person is really sincere and you really desire to be changed. And so I think with no further delay, I'd like for you to turn over to Matthew chapter 28. And we see then the Lord Jesus Christ is discussing with his disciples. There's more places I wanted to take you because Jeremiah is a place that I needed to take you to. But if you wanted to write down Jeremiah chapter 10, 19 through 22, read that. Sometimes it'll show you a little bit more of the grievousness of the culture that decides not to go forward and not to expand. And what it does to Jeremiah, what it does to our God, but what it does because of brutish pastors who have not seen what they want seen done, and they get angry. And they are rebuked in Jeremiah chapter 10, verses 19 through 22. But if I can share with you that are here this morning is that the Lord Jesus Christ, after he was uh, crucified, he was humiliated, he was shamed, he was beaten beyond measure. He was placed in then, of course, after he died into a tomb and he was there for three days and three nights. And again, we know that on the third day, early in the morning, he came out of the grave alive and he arose. I always come into the church sometimes when no one's here and I say, up! From the grave he arose. And I scare every demon out of this particular place. So I'm all by myself, see, and I'm a little scared sometimes. And so if I say that, when I come in, I feel stronger. I go in my office and flex my muscles then uh, because I know he's on my side. Try that sometime. Walk into your house when no one's there and say, I'm from the grave, he arose with a mighty triumph over his foes. And they all run. The spiritual world is real and we are in such a battle. I know you know it. But this is interesting because now Jesus actually has been risen from the grave and he's getting ready to go back to heaven. And he's given these certain promises, I think. Verse number 16 kind of tells it all. It says, Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. This is uh, Matthew chapter 28, verse number 17. And when they saw him, they worshipped him, but somewhat. Oh, doubt's a horrible thing, isn't it? Because you want to believe, man. You're sitting here right now saying, do I believe the right way? Am I believing the right way? Am I? And sometimes doubts come in, and when doubts come in, you start to have a deformed view of God. Let me share with you that he's on his throne right now, looking down from heaven. Jesus is at his right hand, and he did all of this that we talk about just for you and for me. There should be no doubts. Our father is about ready to send his son to get his bride. And we ought to be ready. Because it says here in the text, And Jesus came and spake unto them, and saying, All power is given unto me. That's an incredible thought, that all power was given unto Jesus. 
uh, given unto me in heaven and in earth. And then it says in verse number 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, and then teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world, Amen. And so we understand that that's talking about the world system. And as we know it today, it just looks like God is wrapping things up on earth. Uh, we know that there are wars and rumors of wars. And we know that there are pestilences, which is a, a, you know, um, a contagious um, disease. Um, you can't heal it. We know uh, that this is true, that this is happening to the culture in which we live in. And, uh, and, and by the way, when we go to, when we go to uh, check in um, at uh, that big place where everybody, Costco, you know, if you, if you go there someday and all of a sudden everything's off the shelves, what would you do, man? You would say, okay, I believe now. Because you take your food away, everybody's going to change. You think that's really far in the future? No, it's not. I mean, look at how quickly it is. Toilet paper dissipated. Overnight, people were hoarding it. Some of you still are. Give it up. <laughs> but if we look at this text and we realize that he's talking to his disciples and he's not talking to 500 people. And he's not talking to the elite and the rich and the educated. He's, he's speaking to fishermen and carpenters and just average friends and brothers and, and, and relatives and neighborhood buddies. And he's saying, I want you to go into the world and teach all nations. And then there's just a huge long list of why they can't. No. No. Some of God has called some of you to the mission field and you still have said no to God. Some of you, he has called to teach Sunday school and you keep saying no to him. Because you have a selective service that you flick on. If it pleases me, I'll do it. I'll just do it then, because I want to do this. When God has called you to do something, my friend, the best thing you can do is say, here I am, send me, O oh Lord. I will. But it's interesting because it says here, all nations, and he talks about all things, and he talks about always, and so it's such an inclusive thing that there, the power is there, the passion there, go make disciples, the presence, I will be with you, and, and I will encourage you along the way. This is the great commission that he gives to them. And then what happens? Oh, we already talked about Abraham and Isaac and Moses and we talked about the prophets and we talked about Jesus Christ and all the religious leaders and on Wednesday night we're going through the book of Mark and we see that the religious crowds and the state senators were all coming, the ancient senators, and they were coming to Jesus and they were saying, who gives you the authority to do this? And Jesus wouldn't answer them because they wouldn't answer him. He's pretty bold. And he talks about ownership, and we talked about it last Sunday, that this particular world in which we go in, we walk out this, this door into a parking lot, we get into our car, we're in God's garden, that's his mission field, and he sent us to it to be able to take the gospel to them, not only to them to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but then to help them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. So then what? 
We're moving along into the church age. We know that the Gospels were given to us. We know that the Apostle Paul has written then 13 New Testament books. We know that there was this day of Pentecost coming. And even the commentators agree with Isaiah 54, verse number 2, where it says, Enlarge the place of thy tents, and let thy stretch forth the curtains of thine habitation. Spare not. Don't hold back. Let thy cords, lengthen thy cords, and strengthen thy stakes. And he goes on to say that this is actually the enlargement of the Christian church after Pentecost, especially after the martyr Stephen. Remember that? And so turn to Acts chapter 2, and we see in verse number 41 what takes place that the day of Pentecost when the Spirit of God comes upon all of those that were there. Can I share with this the truth of the Word of God? It tells us that we are all born in Adam. We are born with a sin problem. Every one of us are sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. We all have a sin problem because we were born in Adam. And so if that is a reality, and you know that we have a sin problem, could you raise your hand for me if you believe that? Okay, a few of you maybe don't believe that, or maybe you weren't paying attention, but we, we live in a sin-cursed world with sin problems, and we all have that, because we were born in Adam. But then there's a second Adam named Jesus. The Bible talks about it in Corinthians. It's not a religion. It's the relationship with Jesus Christ. And that second Adam, the first Adam, imputed his sin nature to us. Sin was imputed unto us. The new Adam, the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ, imputed his righteousness to us. That's why you're either in Adam or you're in Christ. But you can't be in both. And so... The New Testament church then, understanding this, um, beginning, if you would, what we know as the church age, starting in Acts chapter 2, um, the Holy Spirit came down upon all flesh. Um, and they began to speak in tongues because there were, I don't know how many nationalities there. Um, what's pretty powerful about that is that if you study it, you'll see that those apostles stood up, they spoke in one language, and then, I don't know how many different nations, heard them speak in their own language. It wasn't hearing an unknown tongue. They heard them in their own language. And so they heard the story of Jesus Christ and the Messiah. And then Peter gives us this incredible sermon and it quickens their hearts. And many of them said, I believe that he is the Messiah. And they said, good, that, 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 now you're ready for baptism. Look what it says in verse number 41. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day were added unto the church. And said unto them about 3,000 souls, and then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Oh, my goodness, I just looked at the time. Give me the, let, me, let me give this really quick, okay? Because this is so awesome. Look what he's saying here. 
Then after he gets done preaching, Peter, look at verse 38. Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So he's talking about that internal working of the Holy Spirit. So the reason why some of you may struggle is because you've never received Jesus Christ in the gospel. You've, you've, you've kind of thought that it's your religious ways that will save you. In the end, the only thing that will save you is the precious blood of Jesus Christ applied unto your soul. Just like it was applied unto the doorpost. So it tells us here that this was actually happening. And then they gladly received his word, were baptized. The same day were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. And fear came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were, uh, were together. And they had all things in common. And they sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And then they continued daily in one accord in the temple, breaking bread and in the house, and going house to house to eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all men. So there's a favor with all men. They're looking and saying, wait a minute, these Christians are different. And the Lord added unto the church daily such as should be saved. Let me just give to you an understanding of the, the New Testament church. If we're going to raise the, the roof here a little bit, if we're going to extend this ministry, what are we going to use it for? Let me give you a few things to think about before we go home. Is that the New Testament church, first of all, had a passion for the word of God. Do you have a passion for the word of God? Do you desire truth? So I was talking to someone just before the break. You know, I was out there having coffee and donuts, and I was talking to them a little bit, and they were talking about how that they're, they're hungry for the word of God, and they're able to say, tell me more, explain more to me. I have a hunger for that. That's Jesus in you. That's the spirit of God saying, what you're hearing is true. I had a chance and a privilege to sit down with a couple and talk to them at the Access Center, and I'm speaking to them, the, the young man that's involved with this, and I say young because he's probably half my age, and I'm talking to him going back and forth, and he's, he's saying to me, well, what does that mean? What does this mean? What does that mean? Well, what does it say this? Now, I'm thinking about this, and I'm going, Hallelujah! This man is actually born from above because one of the signs and evidences that you're saved is that you have a hunger for the Word of God. Do we have that here? Are we going to use that extra building for sound doctrine teaching? Yes, we are. Are we conservative in our approach? Yes, we are. Are we in fundamentalism? Yes, we are. So there's a need for us to understand this even more, that if we do have a hunger for the word of God, then we ought to be able to teach it. We ought to be able to put into the hands of everybody that comes through these doors that have any questions uh, a precious copy of the Word of God. Doctrinal things are absolutely important because it regulates all others when I understand good biblical doctrine and it helps me to behave right. It helps me to live my Christian life like I need to live it. I think our doctrine... And our authority for, for the word of God governs all things. We believe this. And then there's our fellowship. Our fellowship driven by truth. Demonstrated by our work of faith. There's nothing better than having a bunch of people saying, we're going to do this 
for the glory of God. And we're going to give him the glory. Great things he has done. And great things he wants to do. So the first thing I, I really believe that we need to keep in perspective is our doctrine. And we better make sure we keep our Wednesday nights a prayer meeting night. And if you're at home on Wednesday nights, I hope your TV blows up. And, I, and, then, and then you would scratch your head and say, well, since the, the, we're not connected anymore to Wi-Fi, maybe we should go to church. Because you know, it's high time you put your phone down and look around because time is getting short for you to practice what you know. Time is getting short for you to practice what you know. And you realize that someday we're going to give an account. I'm not here to shame you. I'm here to encourage you. Strengthen the brethren by showing them how to walk faithfully with your God. The second thing that I really believe we need to have is not only a passion for the word of God, but also a passion for the work of God. It's amazing how they go house to house. I put it into four things all the time. I write it down. Sometimes I give it to you at business meetings, and uh, there's four things. I was on a plane going down to speak uh, years ago in Indianapolis, and I got a book from, from 1910 on leadership, church leadership. And, and in there, it was giving me a little bit more of an understanding that there was four basic needs of a church. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to write down four basic needs of Grace Baptist Church. So I wrote down expenses because there's all kinds of needs here. We, we pay our bills. Dawn is here this morning. Steve's here. I just appreciate their help in all of this unbelievably. I mean, I wish I could buy a steak dinner every Friday night and say, thank you for doing what you do here because dealing with the finances is not an easy thing. It's difficult. You do with your own at home. Sometimes you struggle in that. And Brian's right there to help and give help and counsel. But expenses are a huge part of it. But that's only part of it. Grace Baptist Church, what about our education? You know, what, what about our Sunday school classes? It's part of the process of having a church. And so I, was, I wrote down expenses and I wrote education. Discipleship goes under education. Then I, I thought about it, edification, because that's a huge part, you know. We shake hands, and I say, shake at least ten hands, because some of you, as soon as we get done, you're like, oh, I hope they don't ask me to shake somebody else's hand. Uh-oh, here they come. I think they're a hugger. Yeah, she just hugged somebody, and she's coming this way. You know, but after they give you a big hug, you know, I'm not a hugger, but I hugged, I think, four or five people last night before they all went home. I love them dearly, and I just hugged them and said, thank you for coming. You know, I go up to the VA, and I see all these people, and then I go upstairs, and I get to see Mauricio, and I go up there, and I say, Dr. Espinito, or whatever. What is this? Mauricio. What's his name? Escobedo. Say that five times really fast. Expedito, Expedito. Anyway, I go up there, and I give him a hug and tap him on the back and say, it's good to see you. I call him Dr. Mauricio or whatever. So I was walking away the other day, and I heard this lady go, I didn't know you were a doctor, one of the other ladies. He said, I'm not. Doesn't he look like one? He wears a suit all the time. You know, we love him. So last night I gave him a big hug. Edification. When you come into this place, you should be able to, should be able to walk out of here a little pumped up. You know what I mean? You ever walk out of church and go, oh, it's just I, mm, not much there. 
We serve a God that's in heaven right now, looking down, saying, I am so happy that you're meeting today in my house. In my Father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. The God in heaven told us that. It's a blessing to be able to know this. But it doesn't, it doesn't stop there. You know, you, you've got to understand that there needs to be expenses. There needs to be education. There needs to be edification. But there also needs to be evangelism. Could we use a dose of evangelism here at our church? Could we? I think we're all in agreement. We need an evangelist to come and quicken our hearts and stir our hearts to be what we should be before God and be able to take the gospel to a dying world in a very dark place, in a place where people would rather do anything else other than talk about God today. The work of God, a people that have a... This is, this is the purpose for our expanding the blessing, is so that we can expand our influence. Our influence in the area of the word of God, yes, but also the work of God but also the worship of God. I think about how that the Bible gives us the term breaking of bread, you know. We have the Lord's Supper and we get together and I'll speak next Saturday night about it, next Sunday night, and encourage your hearts a little bit more about the, the, new, the new day coming. Is that next Sunday or is it a week from Sunday? It's a week from Sunday. Because I'm heading out to Peru but it's a blessing to be able to break them. But it's more than that. It's talking about having fellowship in house to house where you can, have, you can be hospitable and you can use your home for other people and to bring them in and to love them and encourage them and, and use your, which God's given you for, to bless them. Do you think we need that today? We certainly do. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to scold you. I'm trying to say, look, if we're going to expand Expand in the area of the word of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, absolutely. The area uh, of the work of God and the area of the worship of God. Um, and again, the passion also for the witness of God. I don't know where you're at spiritually today, but we'd like for you to come along. Um, how many... How many don't like it when a dog barks? Raise your hand if you don't like it. I don't like it. It irritates me really bad. I got enough pressure on me other than listening to some dog. Why are they barking? Can somebody shut that dog up? Have you ever heard them terms before? Have you ever felt the sense of that sometimes? You know, an evangelist told me years ago when at Grace Baptist Church, he said, keep the caravan going. When the dogs bark, just keep it going. Yeah. I've been hearing dogs bark for a long, long time. But I've been trying to pull that caravan along, push it along, encourage it along. And I'm getting kind of tired. But there's something in me that says, don't you ever give up. You keep on going. Put one foot in front of the other. I was talking about how that if I let my disposition get off, I can't hug the next person I see that's in need. You know what I pray before I come in these doors? Lord, please, please help me to bless and encourage and to edify every single person I see. 
resonate because it is necessary for us to continue on. Expanding the blessing, what are we waiting for? Why have we waited so long? Do you know how many Spanish-speaking people have set up tables and taken them down and set them up? We even, we even made these dividers down there, and some of you haven't even seen that. I took a drill, and I, I bought the, the wheels myself, and I put wheels on all the dividers so that we could wheel the dividers out of the way, and we can set up tables so we can have fellowship, and then we take the tables all back down and put the wheel all the things, and they're numbered, one, two, three, four. And then there's all the chairs we've got to set up. They do that every single month, maybe twice a month, sometimes three times a month, and they never complain. I believe God wants us to expand the blessing. What about your own heart? For us to be able to do that, you've got to enlarge your heart. You've got to get bigger. You've got to have more love, more grace, more power from the God of heaven. Paul dealt with it. He talked about enlarging his heart, and God did that and gave him the ability to reach more Gentiles. He became all things to all men. So I don't know where you're at this morning spiritually. Are you doing okay spiritually? Maybe you're here, you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. Why don't you do that today? It's just simply, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I'm in need of a Savior. Would you come into my life and save me? He will. Where Howard's sitting right now, a lady came to our church, a nice Catholic lady. But one Sunday night, she lowered her head down and she said, Dear Lord Jesus, I... I need to be saved. Would you forgive me and come into my heart and save me? She couldn't wait to come up and tell me what had happened there in that pew. On a Sunday night, she trusted Jesus Christ as her Savior. My father-in-law got down off his tractors in a cornfield. Good Lutheran guy. Well, kind of good. And he gave his heart to Jesus Christ, and my father-in-law has been changed. And you can be too. Enlarge. Expand, make bigger, broaden. Let's do it for Jesus Christ. The time is short. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know where you're at this morning. You say, Pastor, that message was for me. I'm saved. I know I am. But I needed that. Maybe you're here and that's you and you'd say, Pastor, would you please pray for me because I feel like I'm, I'm not able to to have the strength and the power to be enlarged. And maybe that's the problem. It's because I'm trusting my own ways. And would you please pray for me, Pastor? Is there anybody like that? You're saved, but you're struggling. Just raise your hand and put it back down. Thank you for your honesty. Anyone else? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. He wants to help you. Maybe there's more. Seek your heart. Better than that, ask God, search me, O Lord. Search me, O Lord. And maybe this morning you need to come. It's been a long time, and you come to an altar like this and knelt down. Why don't you come this morning? Maybe you would say, Pastor Howell, I'm not sure I'm going to heaven. I, I don't know if I've got religion. I'm not sure if I've got enough. I'm not sure. John wrote these things, I write unto you that you may know you have eternal life. You can know that you know that you know. You base it upon the word of God. So maybe you need to come. 
every head bowed and every eye closed, would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray, and as soon as I'm done, the invitation will begin. Maybe it's for baptism. Come. Maybe it's for church membership. Come. Maybe it's just to kneel down and pray. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide in Jesus' name. Amen.